I highly recommend doing this. At the very least, having an email list with at least one email a, a week being sent to your list. I really do believe like it's do as I say, not as I did. Start growing your your email list from scratch, from the beginning. When you get started, I know you're not going to necessarily need it now. Maybe you're not going to have clients. Although I will say that my client, one of my clients sold a one-to-one 4K painful package by sending a couple of emails to her list of 120 people. Okay, so thinking that people are not going to buy high ticket from an email list is wrong, but definitely start building your email list because you will eventually want to sell something that is not your services and you want to have an audience to sell it to. Welcome to the Raising Your Business Podcast. I'm your host, Yael Bendahan, founder of CEO Mom Academy, Mama 5, and lifelong reading addict. This podcast is here to empower moms to run their businesses and lives like the powerhouse CEO they are. I want you to believe that you can have the business success you desire and be present with your family and to give you my best tips and strategies for how to make that happen. I'll be sharing the honest reality of balancing motherhood and business models that work for you, marketing with simplicity, and the mindset of CEO mom. Now, let's dive in. Hello, hello, my friend. Welcome back to the podcast. And today's episode is going to be a juicy one. We are talking about how to make six figures as a mom in 2024. And my goal for you was to walk away with a literal step-by-step plan to hit six figures this year without needing a huge audience or launching a course or running any sort of ads. Although you could do that if you want to. I have no objection to ads, but I believe that it's better to do that after you've sorted out all your messaging and your funnels and knowing exactly how people come into your world and how they buy from you. That's a whole other conversation. But I really want to just give you like my basic plan. Like here is what I would do to make six figures as a mom with a skill in 2024. And I want to give you that step by step, right? There are a few keys to six figures. And as always, I will look at this through the lens of my CEO mom's method which stands for Moms is Mindset, Offers, Marketing, and Systems. And the mindset and offers and marketing and systems are going to be different depending on what stage you're at. So this is thinking about, okay, if you're making, let's say, one to three K a month or so, and you really want to step into six figures this year, what do you need to do? Okay, what do you need to do to get there? And so we are going to just walk through the system, walk through the method, and just bring you exactly the exact actions that I would be taking on a regular basis to create six figures as a mom of five now and almost six in 2024. Let's start with the mindset, the right mindset. So the first thing I want you to think about is thinking about your business like a CEO and not like it's a hobby, okay, and not like you're an employee. So treating your business like a business and not like a hobby means dedicating at least two hours a weekday to your business. It can work wonders and it can really get you going on the journey towards success if to do with the time. And I'm going to tell you a little more about that in this episode. My coach Julie calls this sacred time, blocking off an hour or two a day to like where you will not be disturbed and you will, you will just focus completely on your business and on revenue generating activities. And I promise you, you can block this out. Even if you're a mom, I built a business with four kids, then pregnant with my fifth, and now with five kids, pregnant with my sixth. I promise that you can do this, okay? You want to make sure to dedicate at least a couple hours a day to your business. If this could be an hour before your kids wake up, it could be a couple hours after they go to bed. It can be while they're taking a nap or while they're in school. If you have a day job, maybe during your lunch hour. And then another hour in the evening or in the morning. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Okay. Cause I don't know your schedule, but 
you want to think about treating your business like a business and not like a hobby, okay? Oh, I'll get to it when I get to it, if I even have time. If you really want it to grow, you have to prioritize, okay? The second thing I really want you to understand is that you need to know exactly where you want to go. Set a goal so you can actually move towards it instead of taking random actions that don't go anywhere. And we're going to get into this a little bit when we talk about offers. But knowing exactly, you know, what what is your target? Your first, let's say, your good goal, right? What is your minimum goal for your business? Let's say that's 5K a month. And you're like, okay, my, my better goal will be making 8K a month. My best goal will be 10K, which brings you above. It actually brings you above six figures. It brings you to 120K a year. I want you to know like what you are working towards because just saying I want to make money is not helpful. Saying, okay, my goal is to hit, for me, I know like I have a certain monthly recurring revenue goal that I want to hit this year. I would like to hit a certain recurring revenue goal by the time I have my baby in June. Okay, so that is like my personal internal goal. And yes, the the big cash months are fun and everything, but my goal is to really just grow this to this point where I'm just adding on recurring revenue on a regular basis with clients that I feel like super committed to in the long term. I love long-term clients. And like, I know this is what I want to be bringing on. I want to be bringing on more people that I can get to know their businesses and really give them that feedback that they need and they deserve. So that is my very specific, my specific goal that I'm working towards. And so whenever I, whenever I know what I'm working towards, every decision that I make can be made through this lens of, okay, does this bring me closer to my goal or is it a distraction or is it taking me further away from my goal? So a cash injection can be really fun, but would I do better to maybe do some more nurture content and work on getting more people into a longer term mastermind rather than a quick intensive? Or maybe I can plan to sell intensives with the goal of moving people into my mastermind. That's a different idea. So that is actually moving towards my long-term goal. This knowing your goal, knowing what exactly you want, what you want your life to look like, what you want your business to look like, how much income you actually want to be bringing in. That is going to help you create really like intentional steps and actions that take you closer to that goal and actually bring you closer to where you want to be. All right. Now, when it comes to CEO mindset, there are so many things I can go into on CEO mindset. And I actually do in my non-woo mindset makeover. And I do this inside of my signature program, CEO Mom Academy. But I just wanted to make a few suggestions for how to incorporate mindset work into your day-to-day. This was a game changer for me. And honestly, I'm saying I look back at my journals from a few years ago and I'm like, oh my God, so many, of this, so many of these things have come true. It's insane. Like it's actually crazy. I really do believe you can spare the time for 15 minutes a day of mindset work. And I like to do journaling. So I'm going to just tell you like my ideas for doing mindset work with journaling, but I'll also tell you an idea if you just don't have the time to journal and you just can't get to it, there's some, here are some thoughts for you. Here are a few journaling kind of prompts for you for your 15 minutes day. Although I will say that once I start journaling, like I can like really get into it. So I like to do this along with my morning tea. Now it's tea because I, I completely go off of coffee in when I'm pregnant, not by choice. I just, for some reason, just cannot stomach it. So currently it's tea in the morning. I put on some beautiful music. I'll drop the link to my preferred Spotify playlist for, for, for journaling in the morning. And I choose one of these. So one thing you can do is ask yourself, I learned this from my friend and my coach, Taylor Lee, just ask yourself, okay, what's up? Yeah, Elle, what's up today? And then just spend 15 minutes just letting it all out. What's going on in your head? Brain dump it out. This can really help you see patterns, thoughts, beliefs, things that are coming up for you 
that you can really look at and see if they're serving you or not. And that at least gives you that awareness is going to be your first step when it comes to any sort of change you might need to make. And if you realize that you're skewing towards negativity, and I know that I personally, my brain will, and we as humans, this is normal, but maybe I don't know if I'm different than most, but my brain will skew towards problems. I'm just like, I look for, I look at problems, I notice problems. I'm a problem solver, but I will notice, I just go immediately towards, ooh, what's wrong? Let me, what's wrong and how can I fix it and what can I do about it? I really try to actively try to focus my brain towards solutions rather than problems. But if I notice that I'm doing this a lot in my journaling, I'm like, oh, here's a pattern. This just keeps coming up. I keep dumping in all these problems. How can I switch my narrative, switch my brain towards the solutionizing? Another really cool idea is to do gratitude journaling, right? So you're journaling what you're grateful for. And so first you start with just journaling what you're grateful for now. So I could be like, okay, I'm grateful for I'm grateful for my healthy baby. I just went for my anatomy scan this past this week and and everything looked great. And so I was just so happy and I feel my baby moving every day. And so I'm just so grateful for that. I'm grateful that my children are healthy. My whole family is okay, which is not something to be taken for granted right now, especially in Israel. I'm grateful that I started incorporating these really great like short workouts into my day every single day. And so I'm just grateful for finding that person. What are things I'm grateful for? I'm grateful for my amazing clients and my amazing client successes. My client just signed a 6K client and I'm just so happy for her. And then you start weaving in things that you're grateful for in advance. These are things that you would like to be grateful for in the future or maybe not happening quite yet, but you just want to weave them into the things you're currently grateful for that already do exist. And this normalizes your goals and helps you feel already thankful and abundant before they even happen. So I could be like, I'm so grateful for my healthy baby. And I'm also so grateful for the 20K in monthly recurring revenue. I'm not at 20K in monthly recurring revenue yet. I have, I have, I do have 20K months. I don't have it necessarily in recurring revenue coming in on a regular basis. And so now I'm like, okay, like I just want to normalize that so I can look at that and be like, yes, of course I'm grateful for that. I'm sure I'm going to be grateful for it soon. It's going to be great. Normalist normalizes the the things that you desire and just brings them into your current reality, which is very cool. Another thing I really like to do is journaling out my ideal life. What is my new narrative? Okay. So right now, you know, if there's a certain narrative, I don't know, things just keep getting in my way and my and things just keep coming up and my kids are stressing me out and whatever. I don't know. That could be your narrative and you could change your narrative until, wow, my life is so full. I'm so lucky that, you know, my children are wanting to talk to me all the time. That's not going to always be the case. And, and just focusing on what narrative do you want? From when you wake up in the morning till you go to sleep at night, what do you want your life to look at? Or look like, sorry. And even whatever, and this could be about everything. This could be about your business. What does your business day look like? What does your inbox look like? When you're, are you getting, I don't know, payment notifications while you're on the toilet? I don't know, what does your relationship look like? What do you, you know, what does your relationship with your kids look, your friends? Just journaling out what your ideal life looks like. And Figuring out what beliefs are you bringing into your day-to-day that will serve you? What beliefs can you bring into your day-to-day that will serve you? So maybe like thinking, there are people all around me who want to pay me and I am just need to, my job is to get in front of them and show them why. Like things like that. This can really bring up some really cool stuff. I love doing this. It's a really fun, fun exercise to do. I don't do it every single day, but I did it enough that a lot of things, a lot of those things came true. So I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's magic. I'm just saying that when you are journaling in this way, it does bring out just opportunities show themselves to you because you're looking for that those opportunities. You're looking for something that that will fit in with that narrative. 
And my last suggestion for journaling or mindset work is if you find that you're getting stuck in a lot of negative thoughts, then my favorite thing to do is to write all your negative beliefs out and then create a list of the opposites and turn them into affirmations. So if your negative belief is no one wants to pay my higher ticket prices, it's like the right clients will be jumping to pay my higher ticket prices because they understand the value of what they're getting and they know that I am completely worth it. So that is the opposite. And when you can write out all those negative thoughts, all those things that keep coming up and keep getting in your way and then turning them to those reverse affirmations, and then you can use those affirmations. You can record them, like literally put them on a recording if you'd like. I love to do this. And there's actually an app. I forgot what it's called and we have to look for it. But you can actually record affirmations and it will play them for you with music in the background while you're doing other things. So that's a fun thing to do if you'd like to just create that sort of thing where you want to create your own custom little affirmation audio where you don't have to listen to someone else's affirmations. Um, I just find that when I listen to other people's affirmations, it's just it just ended up being, it just felt like not real. It felt like unaligned to me because it wasn't the way I would speak about things. It wasn't the way I would say things. So when I did my own affirmations, it felt much more like me and much more like something I could actually like aspire towards. Okay. So that is mindset work. All right. Now the second thing is your offer. So if you want to get to, if you want to get to the six figure mark, this is what I recommend. Okay. And this is really important. I'm not saying that you need to do this forever, but this is what I recommend if you really want to get started and you are like, okay, I know I want to hit six figures. I've been offering all these different, maybe um, even offering hourly, hourly rates or like hourly packages or like maybe custom proposals. Like I do social media for one client. I do email marketing for another client and I do ads for someone else or whatever. If you've been offering this whole Cheesecake Factory menu of offers and you aren't, you aren't hitting your income goals, but you find that you're just working a lot, this is probably why. All right. So I recommend if you are a coach, if you want to be a coach, having a one, one-to-one coaching offer to start with, that is the easiest thing to start with because it's very high touch. You want it to be profitable. You want it to be productized. You want it to be high touch because that is what people will value the most. It just is what it is. That's what they'll value the most. And so thinking about what are the deliverables that, in, that entails, how many calls per month, what else do they get access to? How many of those clients can you actually hold at a time? So let's say if your coaching offer is 1K a month, and I'm going to get to this in a, in a second because we're talking about setting goals, but if your coaching offer is 1K a month and, and you can have up to six calls a week, right? You don't have time for any more because you're busy and your kid, you don't have full-time daycare and you don't have time for any more calls. So you can have up to six clients a week. And that doesn't even take into consideration if you're doing any other discovery calls. These are just client calls. So now you're like, okay, fine. That means that my income cap really right now is 6K a month. Is that okay for you? How does that feel for you? Does that feel good? Does it feel not enough? And if it doesn't feel like enough, then you need to either start with that, be okay with making a little less at the beginning to really like narrow in on your process and your framework and get better at what you're doing and then raise your rates after three months or six months or so. Or you just start from the beginning with a higher ticket. So you know, if you make it 2K a month for three months, then that's five, five clients a week let's say you're doing weekly calls, that's five clients a month and that's 10K a month, which is a very nice and respectable price. And five calls a week is not a crazy amount of calls. 
I personally find it hard to do a lot of calls per week because of my time zone. But but honestly, I just don't feel like if you're living, if you live in the general time zone of your clients, you probably can manage five calls. You probably can manage five, five calls a week. So that's just, just a thought. So like your coaching offer, figure out exactly how can it be profitable? How does it actually make sense for your goals? If you are a service provider, then having, I discussed this in last week's episode, so make sure to check that out. I'm pregnant, now what? It's, I think, episode 31. A productized, scalable service. Okay, so what does a scalable service mean? Number one, it's productized, which means you can market and sell it simply. It becomes a product rather than a custom proposal every single time. It's systemized, so you can have a repeatable process again and again and potentially start outsourcing pieces you don't want to do. Teachable, so you can turn it into a self-study or leveraged offer later on and again, bring on help to you can teach the process to them so that you could they can do it instead of you and it creates a big transformation without hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of work okay and going back to the last episode i go deeper into this so make sure to check that out you have your productized service so an example of productized service would be a launch copy package that means that they get a sales page they get the pre-launch and launch emails and that's your launch copy package i don't know maybe you can add in like they get the pre-launch content as well five pieces of content per week or something like that for the six weeks of the pre-launch and launch. Okay, let's just say, all right? That is a productized service. It is a product. You might have add-ons, right? Like just a burger is a product, right? Like let's say someone's buying a burger. You might be like, yeah, but I want to have corned beef on top. Can you tell I'm thinking about burgers right now? I'm always talking about food. You could have an additional corned beef. You can add fries. You can add onion rings. You can add a salad, right? You can add a drink. So yes, you have your main offer, but you might, if you can, if you want to include add-ons, things that people can just include, then honestly, like that is going to be your best, your best bet as far as something that is easier to deliver over and over again without getting completely bored. And honestly, boring is not the worst thing in the world. If something gets, you get so good at something that it's boring and it's hugely valuable, that is fantastic. Hire a team, teach them how to do it, move yourself out of the doing of it, just sell it, and then take all that boring money and use it to invest elsewhere and, and do fun things with it. I don't know. So you also want to make sure that it's priced profitably, right? So making sure not to undercharge. Because honestly, I've seen people not take things seriously when they were priced too low. Like I actually have a client who said that she she got on sales a couple of sales calls where they said, oh, are you sure that's how much you charge? And they were hesitant because she wasn't charging enough, okay? And that sounds crazy. Like, why would anyone ever tell you that you're not charging enough? I promise you it happens, okay? I promise you that is that is totally possible, okay? I want you to I want you to consider when you are creating your offer price point, you want to make sure that it makes sense for the actual value of what you're delivering and it's not completely ridiculously low because if it's ridiculously low, people will not believe that you are an expert. And then, of course, setting your goals accordingly, right? So now what your signature offer, what you want it to be, figure out exactly how many of your signature offer you need to sell in order to hit your goals. So if, let's say, you want to make 10K a month, that's 120K a year. So if your main offer is $2,000, that means you need to get 60 clients in a year or five clients a month, okay? Five new clients a month. That's a little bit crazy. So you either need to create more of a retainer offer where you keep clients on for longer so you can increase the value of your package and increase the price point or just raise the raise your price point altogether. Just be like, this is how much it is. So instead of charging 2K for a sales page, you charge 5K for a sales page or something. I don't know. But again, I'm not saying you need to do this right away, but you have to be realistic. If you have a certain goal and your offers are not priced to hit that goal, something has to shift. 
So you either need to have maybe less clients at higher price points. You might need to bring, maybe add on a some sort of self-study thing if you have a big enough audience that you can sell a self-study offer so that you can make more money with actually having to deliver more work. But you're gonna have to play around with your numbers a little bit. Don't forget to take into consideration the hours spent, the cost of doing business, and the value that you bring. I recommend having a three to 5K offer minimum, which means three clients a month if you don't re-sign clients, which does not mean you can't have a lower cost intensive to bring people into your higher ticket service. So if you wanna have a 1K intensive and the goal of that is to bring people into your five or 10K offer, that's great. Or if you're doing VIP days and you have enough demand, You could charge 2K for a VIP day and you do four or five a month, which is not so bad. Again, if you have enough demand, right? So if you're spending four to five days a month working, that's not terrible. You'll be okay. So I'm not saying it's going to be too much for you. But the question is, do you have enough demand to bring in four four to five new clients every month or have an offer that needs repeating, right? My friend Mackenzie Mater, who, who has done this, she's a designer. So she does VIP days. Now, she does, she's a designer. She could do a sales page in a day. She can do a website in a day. People are probably gonna, not going to need websites over and over again. They probably will need more than one sales page in a year. They'll probably need a few. So knowing that a client can become a repeat client if you do a great job, which she does. Examples of a 3 to 5K offer could be three, a three-month one-to-one coaching for 1K a month, if that feels okay for you to start with. Doing three months of content management for 2K a month, but that, means, that brings up to 6K for a package minimum, and then they can always resign. So like a 6K client can turn into a 12K client and so on. Oh, there are so many possibilities, but I really feel like a really nice sweet spot is a three to 5K mark in order to hit 100K without completely burning yourself out. Not sure which offer makes the most sense to sell to hit your sustainable six figures? I've pulled a lesson out of my signature program, CEO Mom Academy, where I'll walk you through my 10 favorite high-ticket offers for busy mom business owners to sell in 2024. Plus, you can fill out my matrix worksheet to figure out which offer is perfect for you, your audience size, and even the amount of childcare you have available. Go to lbendahan.com slash high-ticket to dive into the matrix and discover your perfect premium offer. And don't forget to tag me on Instagram with the results. I'd love to chat about your offer in the DMs. Again, it's yaelbendahan.com slash high ticket. Okay, back to the show. Okay, so marketing. Let's talk marketing. That is probably what you have to spend the most time on, definitely at the beginning, because if you don't have any clients, then you need to be marketing. For all the work time that you have, that's what you should be doing. Unless you're working on improving your skills in any specific area that will help you be better at what you do. The first thing you need to do when you're thinking about marketing is obviously knowing your ideal client really deeply. Okay, so what does their life look like now? What would it look like working with you? What it would look like after? All right, and when you know that, your content is going to flow. Okay, and if you do not yet have this having a signature framework as well, and we're going to get a little into that in a second, but when your client deeply and you have a signature framework that you can really speak to with a high level of expertise, and this is how I do things, and this is why I do them this way, and this is why this is my personal, my proven method for XYZ, that will really establish you as an expert, and it will really establish that no like trust between you and your pre-clients, let's call them. All right, the kind of content you're going to need to be creating, and really this is going to be on any platform. This is not a platform-specific section here. Okay. This is going to be the content you need to create on any platform. So 
stories, okay? Stories about yourself and why why what you do helped you or about why what you do what you do help your clients or stories in your data excuse me, stories in your day-to-day that will connect back to your offer. Social proof, social proof of your clients or yourself. What success have you had? What success have your clients had in the area that you work in? Transformation. What is the transformation that you are providing? Where are they now? Where will they be after? What does that look like for them? How will that feel for them? How does it feel for them now? How will it feel for them after? So really showcasing their transformation and how it will feel when they are working with you. Why you do things the way you do. And I think that this is a really important one and very often a forgotten one. But just digging into the behind the scenes, this is why I think this way. This is why I act this way. This is where, this is why I'm, I just took this action. Because number one, it really showcases your values. It really shows people like what you value and what, what, when it shows, when you're showing people what you value, it's showing people really just who you are. And I think that's really important, especially if you're a coach, okay? Especially if you're a coach. People need to know that. People need to know who you are. People need to know why you are the way you are. And that will help them trust you more, okay? That will help them trust you more and it will either attract or repel them. It can go either way. And that's good because you want the right people to resonate with your values and the wrong people not to. And that is excellent. Okay. So that is a really important thing. Your values, why you do things the way you do, what your beliefs are. And then secondarily to this, the next thing is stand for or stand against. This is a very big thing. What do you stand for? My one of my favorite lines in Hamilton. Okay, I love Hamilton. I love everything. Literally everything Lin-Manuel Miranda has created. I love it so much to the point that my family doesn't even want to hear his name anymore because anytime he comes out with any sort of album, that is the soundtrack in our home for at least a few months, if not longer. Hamilton had its turn, In the Heights had its turn, Encanto had its turn. I just think he's amazing. When he says in Hamilton, if you stand for nothing, Burr, what do you fall for? And but also at the towards the end, when he was being asked, even though he really disliked Thomas Jefferson. He was very against him. He didn't like his policies. He didn't agree with him on basically anything. But when they asked who he would endorse in the election, Jefferson versus Burr, he said he would stand for Jefferson because he said Jefferson has beliefs and Burr has none. Burr would just go with the flow. He would, he was very, he was a chameleon. He would just, just fit in with anyone who he was around. He didn't have any major beliefs that he would stand for. He would just shift them based on who he was talking to. And Hamilton did not respect that. And I think that is a really important thing. This is not just Hamilton. This is not just in a really awesome rap Broadway show. This is a real thing. People need to see what you stand for and what you stand against so they can figure out if they identify with you or not. And if you are just wishy-washy and vanilla and you're like, you could do this and you could do anything and whatever, and you don't take a stand for something, whatever that something is, your content is not going to stand out. It is not going to stop the scroll or get people like really buying into it and be like, oh, wow, I should share this. Oh my gosh, I love this so much. I'm going to save this to go back to for later. Oh my God, I love this belief. So really focusing on what do you stand for? What do you stand against firmly that you would literally, like if someone challenged you, you would die on that hill, okay? Another thing to think about is your framework. Again, like I said, I discussed the framework a little just before, but if you have a signature framework, then talking about it and why it works, right? And showcasing different parts of it, showcasing why each part of it is so important and why you can have three of the pieces about the fourth or whatever it is. So you really want to talk about that because again, leaning into your framework is going to really help you when it comes to establishing yourself as the expert, okay? Because there is such a difference between I help moms 
lose weight after baby or lose the last 15, 20 pounds after baby. And I help moms lose that last 15, 20 pounds and feel their absolute best with my proven hot mom framework, my proven hot mom method, my proven hot mom system. But the point is, for some reason, when someone has a framework, when someone has a proven system that has been like, that they literally named it and framed it and claimed it, that all rhymed. Then like, they are really, like that really feels like they've been doing this for a long time. They know what the heck they're talking about. They know what they're talking about so much and they've been doing this for so long that they have a framework. They have a way they do things over and over again for a reason, okay? And that is a really, that is a really important thing to consider inside of your content as well. Now, if you are a service pro specifically, right, not a coach, but another thing I'd, I'd want to add into your content is why what you do is a need to have and not a nice to have, right? Like, why is it better to hire me than to not hire me, okay? What will you gain by hiring me? What will you lose by not hiring me? So really showcasing that. And if you're a coach, you should have some educational content. I do think you should. Because educational content is what people are going to share, people are going to enjoy. It's probably what's going to bring people to you. But if you are a service provider, how to do this and how to do that, cut down on that. Once a week at most, okay? If you're a coach, you do want those how-to or how I did this because they want to see behind the scenes. But if you're a service provider, you don't want people, you don't want to be attracting people who want to know how to do things themselves. You want to attract people who want someone to do it for them. And when you are writing how to build your own lead fu- lead funnel or whatever or how to you know how to create a content calendar for yourself right that is not necessarily going to attract your people because you want the people who value their time over their money okay so if you were doing a lot of how to do this how to do that less of that more of here's what you're missing here's why you need me Now, when it comes to, okay, now you know what content to create, but where are you going to show up? You need three, at least three types of content and marketing going on. And they might all be in the same place or they might not, but there are three parts in your business that you have to be doing at any given given time all the time. You want to grow, you want to nurture, you want to sell, right? Grow your audience, get in front of new people, nurture your audience, which nurtures your current people who are not quite ready to, you know, just pull the trigger yet and buy from you and actually sell to the people who are ready to buy. Okay. So these kinds of content are going to be different in a way. Okay. And I'm not saying that it's always going to be different, but here's what I mean. Okay. So grow gets you in front of new people. So this could mean, let's say you're, if your primary place where you show up is your Facebook profile, then you're going to go into Facebook groups with your ideal clients and give consistent value and answer questions in in threads. And you're going to just really show up and get in front of people and impress people in these Facebook groups. As, as far as Instagram goes, reels are the best type of growth content you could probably create. Carousels are secondary. Carousels, if they're so super shareable and they're just so well done, then they definitely can be growth content. But reels tend to be what Instagram is showing to the most new people, okay? So um, using Reels or TikTok to get new people in for organic social, that's what I would focus on. If you're looking for something more long-term, YouTube or blogging or podcasting with SEO, okay? So just podcasting is not gonna be enough. You need podcasting with, you know, turning your podcast into SEO blog posts or SEO show notes or whatever that can really bring in new people. And you're probably gonna have to run some sort of Pinterest, have a a lot of Pinterest pins or things like that towards your YouTubes and towards your blogs. 
other people's audiences. That's actually my favorite way to get in front of new people. And that could be things like bundles and summits and guesting in other people's podcasts and guesting in other people's communities and things like that. That's other people's audiences. Freebie swaps. I've done this, right? Where you send an email to your list with someone else's freebie and they send an email to their list with your freebie and you both get, you know, you both get to grow your audience and it's great. So that's other people's audiences. And then there's referrals, right? So as a service pro, referrals, I honestly think are like the best place to start, the best place you can find your first few clients. So either way, wherever you choose, I want you to pick one to two platforms at most, okay? And one to two at most, ideally one, but let's say you want to do two, fine. One more growth and one more nurture, okay, I get it. But have one primary place that you create content for, okay? And I would expect marketing to take at least an hour to 90 minutes a day and possibly more if you don't have any clients yet or are not booked out. Thinking about, let's say, Instagram. So you're gonna be like, okay, I'm doing Instagram reels and doing reels every single day and I'm going to be posting on my Facebook profile. I'll be using the same captions for my Instagram reels and posting on my Facebook profile. Okay, fine. Or I'll be doing Instagram reels and I'll be moving people towards my lead magnet and I'll be nurturing via email. Okay, amazing. But just choose your places and focus on that. Okay, don't try to spread yourself all over the place. It's not going to work, especially if you do not have any help. It's definitely not going to work. You're going to get burned out. Nurturing. Okay, so that's nurturing your current audience. So you can nurture your audience in the same place where you're growing them. So like, let's say you are, you're doing reels on Instagram. Your reels are great. They're high value. New people are joining. New people are following your profile. Amazing. Your Instagram content, if it's good, will nurture your current audience for sure. If you have a Facebook profile, again, People, once they follow you on Facebook, your Facebook profile content will nurture them, okay? So that's, that is important. You, that will happen, all right? But um, if you want some more backend stuff, and I highly recommend doing this, at the very least having an email list with at least one email a, a week being sent to your list. I really do believe, like, it's do as I say, not as I did. Start growing your, your email list from scratch, from the beginning, when you get started, I know you're not going to necessarily need it now. Maybe you're not going to have clients. Although I will say that my client, one of my clients sold a one-to-one 4K painful package by sending a couple of emails to her list of 120 people. Okay, so thinking that people are not going to buy high ticket from an email list is wrong. But definitely start building your email list because you will eventually want to sell something that is not your services and you want to have an audience to sell it to. Have some sort of front-end social platform to grow and get in front of new people. And if you want, that will be your nurturing platform as well. But at least try to get people onto your email list so you can continue nurturing them in there. And then, of course, there is selling. Okay, when it comes to Facebook, it's pretty easy. Just sales posts, right? Sales directly, whatever. If you have a Facebook group, same thing. When it comes to Instagram, I like to have less CTAs on my, on my content to specific sales or to specific offers. I'd rather go towards lead magnets, freebies, or very low ticket offers. And I like to do this with many chat bots. That is that is my personal, my personal favorite way to utilize my content on my feed. If you've heard of many chat, it's just a chat bot software where you can basically set things up. If you've ever seen those people saying, drop this keyword in the comments and I'll send you my link to blah, blah, blah. That's a many chat bot. Okay. I, I love using that. So for Instagram, I like to have the content be a little more evergreen. People can just read it whenever and it's going to be valuable either way. And then focus on selling in stories. Try to get people to rereading my content, which bumps up my story views. And then having all my sales content and talking about my offers on stories. You also 
this is really important. You want to have a sales plan, okay? And having a sales plan means when you know you have money coming in. Let's say you have a few clients, and let's say you have five clients at a time, and they're each paying you two k a month, and you started three of them in January, and then two more in February, and then you're continuing to bring people in in March. You bring a couple more people in March, but now you know that by the time you get to the end of March, you're gonna to have to either resign those first three clients or get new ones. Maybe thinking about offering longer term offers or longer term. Um, packages. But the important thing is to look at your income and project your income, right? Look at, hey, this is, I know I have these three clients. That means I'm getting, let's say, 3K, 2K, 2K, 2K a month. Great. That's 6K going all the way into March. Amazing. Now March is actually going to be 10K because I brought two more clients in February. Amazing. But then when we get to April, all of a sudden, boom, I'm losing 6K unless I plan to resign those clients. Knowing when your monthly recurring revenue is going to drop off figuring out how you can have your sales plan work with that. For me, I'd be like, okay, if I know that my monthly recurring revenue is dropping off in July, so I will probably do a launch in March or April, hypothetically. I would never do a launch in April. Please, God, I'm not going to say never, but it's always Passover in April. I'm not going to do that because I value my sanity, okay? But having a looking at the upcoming year and having a sales plan, being like, okay, fine. I can see my monthly recurring revenue is dropping off in September, which means I'm going to do a sales event in June before the summer slump, okay? And I'm going to really work on getting X amount more clients in so that this can mitigate the September drop. So looking at your year and knowing when to bake in sales activities and sales events and launches and pushes for your different offers for your services when, you know, not the month that you need to replace the clients, but a couple a couple months before because you want to make sure that you have that locked in by the time you get to that dip in income. So that is really important. I actually work with my clients in my mastermind like on this, like looking at the upcoming year. What do you want to sell? How much of it do you want to sell? And now looking at your year, when do you want to be doing this? When do you want to be launching this kind of stuff? When do you want to have your, your one-to-one filled? How many clients do you want per month, et cetera, et cetera. When it comes, if you do using TikTok, I'm just going to say this because I mentioned Instagram and Facebook. Again, you could sell on Facebook, you could sell in the feed, you could sell in groups, just do regular sales posts, not a big deal. On TikTok, I sell, I, I would say sell super low ticket or free front end. So driving people towards a freebie or something very low ticket and then get them onto your email list and upsell on the back end. So sales will probably happen more um, in general. Definitely have sales happening to your email list. That's what they're there for, as well as nurturing them. But when it comes to TikTok, people are not, usually jumping straight to high ticket, although I've heard that sometimes they do, but usually not. They're just flipping through. They want to have fun. So something that's really attractive and impulse buying type of thing is a great thing to sell on TikTok and then have a really good nurturing and sales sequence on the back end once they come into your world and once they come onto your email list. Okay. So that is all marketing. Oh my God. This is so, this is like an entire masterclass. I don't know. I feel like I should charge for this maybe. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm not, but Okay, we're gonna just we're gonna hurry up and we're almost done. Okay, so systems. Okay, so systems is you want systems for everything. And obviously, when you first get started, all right, systems are the last part of my CEO mom's method. When you first get started, it's hard to create systems because you don't know what you need to create. No point in creating systems and having to recreate them over and over again as you realize that this is not necessary and this is necessary. But once you've gotten a few clients in the door, you want to have at least, at the very least, a, an excellent onboarding and offboarding system in place. Okay, so you want to minimize manual tasks as much as possible. 
so you can add personal touches without burning out. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Meaning having a workflow set up that as soon as you send them the invoice, and as soon as the invoice is paid, they will automatically receive the contract and and your onboarding email, for example. So how can you do this? You can use CRMs, right? Like Dubsado or HoneyBook. Those are two of my favorites. And they are an amazing way to set up really easy workflows that work while you're not. And when it comes to offboarding, having automatic emails going out, asking for testimonials, even having emails going out three months, six months, eight months, 12 months after you finished a project with nurture, with value, saying, hey, how's it going? Was just thinking about you. Do you have anything else going on? Is there anything else I can help you with? Whatever that is. Just even like systemizing your follow-up is such a great thing you could do because you don't need to get over that feeling of, oh, I feel weird reaching out. It feels gross. I don't know if I want to do that. You're not doing it. Dubsado is doing it. So it doesn't really matter, right? And of course, once you get into a marketing routine, marketing flow, building systems for your marketing. So knowing how you work best. Some people work best with batching. Some people work best doing daily things. I used to write content every single day. Then I started batching it once a week on Sunday. Now I do a mix of both. It really depends. But um, really trying to build in systems for your marketing because, and the reason why it's so important is especially as moms, things come up. Okay, things come up and you really do want to be consistent. Now again, consistent, not constant. You don't need to be always online all the time, posting all the time. But you do want to be consistent. So batching things in advance and being able to take a few days off because your content's already scheduled out because, I don't know, your kid got sick and you're covered in vomit for 48 hours is okay because you have things in the pipeline. You have content going out. So I think it's really important to know how you work best and to systemize it in whatever way makes sense for you and try to have content in your back pocket ready to pull out or scheduled in advance so that you can take off time if you need to without being like, oh my God, I'm behind, help, I'm not posting anything, whatever, okay? That is the basics. So the mindset, the offers, the marketing, the systems, four six figures as a mom in 2024. You really do not need a lot of clients in order to make six figures. You really don't, okay? So let's say if you are offering 2K a month package, okay? So that is 6K and you want to make $120,000 a a year, which is 10K a month. 120,000 divided by 6,000 is 20 clients. That's 20 clients over the course of an entire year, okay? And if you divide that by 12, that is one to two clients a month. Okay, let's say two clients a month. It's not a crazy amount of clients to have. It's really not, okay? And I really want you to believe that you really can have um, really, really valuable offers. You really can get those clients in the door. 20 people in the entire world of people is not a hard amount of people to get to buy something from you if you can present true value to your people, to your clients, really create that transformation for them. I really want you to believe that. It is totally possible for you. Yes, even in 2024, just identifying what are the gaps in the market? What do people need right now? You can find this out from talking to people. You can find this out from just looking and seeing what people are complaining about in Facebook groups. You can look and see what people are selling and seeing like, why are they selling that? And how are people reacting to it? All this is awesome. And I cannot wait to hear what you're planning to sell in 2024 to hit your next six figures. But if you do want to get started, check out my high ticket offer matrix. Okay. Knowing your offer and who it's for is going to give you such a great foundation to figure out what you're selling, how much, 
and how and when you're going to market it and even what your onboarding and offboarding process will be. Okay, but you, it all really starts with the offer. You have to know what the heck you're selling first. Go to albendahan.com slash high ticket. And on the thank you page, you're going to see the opportunity to hop into my upcoming event that is going to give you the base plan to plan your entire business out from start to finish in the simplest way possible. It is still a surprise. So you will get a peek at it after you grab the freebie. So go grab the freebie. Check it out now. And I cannot wait to hear which offer you're planning to sell in 2024 to hit your first or next six figures. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. I can't thank you enough for listening to Raising Your Business. I hope this episode has inspired you to take another step towards building a business and life that you love and growing your income in a way that works for you and your family. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review and let's connect on Instagram. Screenshot and share it on Instagram stories so we can get the word out to more mom business owners like you. Tag me at the Al Bendahan and share your biggest breakthrough from today. See you next week.